Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with our host, Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. In this podcast, Michael will answer your questions and reveal the shocking truth that the cause of most chronic ailments is not what you've been told. The source is Candida, a yeast overgrowth which, when it becomes systemic, can cause all sorts of seemingly unrelated ailments such as chronic fatigue syndrome and even weight gain. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. And now, without further ado, Michael Biamonte. Another episode of the Candida Chronicles. Today we're going to be discussing Candida, signs and symptoms, and different levels of candida which we can recognize and classify in someone. In most occurrences the way a person first develops candida is of course by being exposed to in any way shape or form something which imbalances their friendly bacteria. This is true 100% of the time because this is the mechanism that's involved in dealing with candida. Candida is normally found in the digestive tract and in the mucous membranes of every mammal on this planet. And it is unfortunately the effect of medications, antibiotics, birth control pills, chemotherapy, antacids, many of these drugs destroy the friendly bacteria that keeps the candida in check. Therefore the candida then overgrows when these medicines are given. It's also true of uh, street drugs, excessive alcohol, and highly concentrated junk food diets also could give rise to this pathogen. What makes candida most interesting is that it is a plant. So when one has a candida overgrowth, one literally has an overgrowth of vegetation in their mucous membranes. Like any plant, it grows a plant-like structure complete with roots, and these roots look to break through the intestinal wall, allowing the candida to tap sugar from your blood vessels. This is how it stays alive, and this is why fasting could not kill candida. The signs and symptoms of candida are very confusing, and the reason why is because these signs and symptoms overlap with other conditions. We actually could say these other conditions could be referred to as the candida syndrome. Many of the symptoms of leaky gut syndrome overlap with candida. One does not have to have leaky gut. To have the symptoms of leaky gut, it's possible to have them strictly by having candida overgrowth. In the very first stage of candida overgrowth, the person will tend to notice fatigue. This is normally the first thing that hits them. They become fatigued, they sort of lose their enthusiasm and pep, and they're definitely behind their times. This fatigue could be very pronounced, It could be something the person doesn't fully 
recognize at first, but generally will start to observe in themselves that their energy level has changed. And some people, the fatigue could be very observable, depends on the lifestyle of the person. But nonetheless, fatigue is the, generally the first thing that a person notices when they develop candida. Digestive symptoms will be next. Bloating, gas, out, bowel movements which are either constipated or too loose. This type of phenomena, virtually any digestive discomfort could fall into the category of this, of this condition initially. Sometimes the digestive symptoms accompany the fatigue. Sometimes the fatigue comes first with the digestive symptoms following up. Stools can be too loose. If the pH of the intestinal tract goes too low, usually below 6, due to the presence not only of candida, but the presence of harmful bacteria and parasites, the low pH in the intestinal tract will cause loose stools or diarrhea. Candida normally, when it's the prominent organism, causes the intestinal pH to go above 7.4, which is the area that tends to cause constipation in the person. So remember, acidity causes diarrhea in the intestines. Alkalinity causes constipation. It's a, a similar analogy in Chinese medicine where we would think of acidity being heat, this causing expansion or causing things to speed up, and alkalinity causing contraction, causing cold, causing things to slow down. The next possible group of symptoms that the person will develop can be skin problems, itching, eczema, athlete's foot, different skin funguses, different skin ailments like eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, uh, dandruff conditions, acne, hives, generally itching skin. These all can occur at this time. Sometimes they will occur in conjunction with the digestive symptoms, very often they occur further down the road. And one thing we failed to mention, or I failed to mention, is that the person in the initial stages when they're having fatigue may experience a loss of sex drive and feeling drained that accompanies the fatigue because of how candida affects your hormones. So let's recap for a second. We have the very first stage of candida where fatigue is prominent, perhaps lack of sex drive, feeling drained, lack of endurance, etc. We have the next step where we have digestive problems becoming prominent, gas, flatulence, constipation, diarrhea, abdominal distension, bloating, etc., then the next stage is where we may start to see skin manifestation, manifestations like athlete's foot, eczema, psoriasis, uh, hives, rashes, different types of skin fungus are possible, 
doesn't have to be, but it's possible. Could be something as common as eczema or contact dermatitis, dandruff, things of this nature, very typically will occur in this next stage of candida. As candida develops more, we possibly could see flu-like symptoms occurring in the person. If flu-like symptoms occurred initially with the development of the fatigue, these flu-like symptoms would be more intense than initially. Along with the flu-like symptoms, there may be muscle aches, muscle pains, numbness, burning, tingling, feeling spaced out, loss of cognitive ability and memory is very common in the more pronounced stages of candida. Cognitive problems are one of the major complaints people have when they have candida chronically. This is due to the candida microtoxins, um, neurological toxins and aldehydes that are produced, which affect your nervous system adversely. As candida progresses further into what we might think of as maybe the last stage, we will see the person becoming very intolerant of perfumes, odors, tobacco smoke. They will at this point have developed food allergies and airborne allergens and generally be very chemically intolerant and chemically sensitive. At this point, they may also be having joint pains and swelling. They may get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, with MS, Hashimoto's, virtually any form of autoimmune illness. And the symptoms, the flu-like ones that began in the stage just before this one can increase to the point where the person has very, very bad memory loss, along with mood swings, depression, headaches, perhaps, etc. At this stage, the person may have developed leaky gut, which is why they have these particular symptoms, especially the allergic and the chemical sensitivities. Or the candida may become so prominent that it's now affecting their hormones and neurotransmitters, which results in the mood swings and the depression and the like. Now, I've outlined here for you these different stages of candida. And keep in mind that there can be some overlapping with these stages and with the symptoms. At any point in time, once the person develops candida, it's very possible to start to develop uh, nasal congestion or sinus problems, chronic sinus problems, ear pain, ear infections, asthmatic symptoms. They can occur along the way here. Uh, thrush is another item which could occur along the way. So here we have these basic levels, we will call them, of the candida and candida's progression to cause various symptoms, various other illnesses. As I said before, if we wanted to chart this or, or put this on some type of a graph, we 
we have to remember that some of the symptoms can overlap. But generally speaking, things will be in a next door type fashion. The group of symptoms that I talked about is generally going to be prominent as a group. And then you move to the next package of symptoms and it will tend to continue to advance in that manner. It is possible for any of these symptoms to occur individually at any different point. But generally we look for them as a package to confirm that the person is at a particular level of candida. And these can be broken down into five levels. So in the very first level, the person would have the fatigue. In the second level, they would have the digestive problems. At the third level, they could start manifest, manifesting the skin problems. In the fourth level, they could start manifesting the increased fatigue. And in the fifth level, they can start to manifest these types of autoimmune problems, allergies, chemical intolerances, Hashimoto's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, MS, and the list would go on. Those would be essentially the five levels. Fibromyalgia could easily fit into the fifth as well. The treatment for this, for any of these levels, is very simple. We just take them through our five-phase program. There is no, nothing special. Anyone who's at any level at any time would always start with phase zero and then move through all the phases so we can ensure that a complete job is done. The symptoms of candida can overlap with other conditions, but generally those conditions are related to candida. As an example, we now look more at cause and effect. Initially, why the person develops fatigue is because the candida is putting a drain on the immune system. Later on, when the fatigue becomes more prominent and is accompanied by muscle aches and pains and, and the like that we discussed. This is because the chronic drain on the system from the candida is now adversely affecting the adrenal glands and the endocrine system. Where the person starts to develop the allergic problems in the more advanced stages of candida is where they're starting to become autoimmune and may develop leaky gut or not. The skin problems that the person develops would be one of the first stages of the autoimmune reactions going on with the candida. And the last stage that we were just discussing where the person has the chemical sensitivities, and may, which may be very extreme and is extremely chemically sensitive, allergic and whatnot, would come about in the last stage of the candida's progress in the body. So you see, some of these stages have causes here which overlap and are similar to other levels. It's just a matter of the intensity. The intensity of the adrenal exhaustion a person has when they're more at the end of the progression of candida is nonetheless similar to what they have initially. A person who's first getting candida, who's feeling the fatigue, 
is essentially feeling the fatigue for the same reason that the more advanced case gets the fatigue uh, with all the other bad things that go along with that. It's still the adrenal glands and the endocrine system which are being compromised by the candida. Similar to immune responses, the immune response by candida is ultimately compromised uh, in a way that where you, you're very autoimmune. So this is where these conditions tend to overlap. Uh, this subject and term of the levels of candida are useful for the practitioner to understand the person's case as far as classification, to understand what he may expect from this person's case in terms of their progress. And it's also an interesting point often to the patient where the patient can be given a category that they go in. It somehow helps the person to confront the severity of their particular individual case and understand where they stand in the case if they're put into one of these levels or if the level terminology is used. Generally speaking, regardless of the level that someone is at, it really doesn't take them that much longer or shorter to get through our treatment protocol because of the way candida grows in the body. Candida causing the initial fatigue and the digestive problems will take just as long to get rid of as the candida which is causing the more intense symptoms later on. The difference is, and why that is, is because candida grows in the vegetable-like form in your intestines. And that vegetation has to be removed using a particular technology, which we refer to as our phases 0, 1, and 2. That doesn't change that fact. Where it becomes slightly altered is where you look at people who perhaps are not uh, fully qualified to, uh, let's say, estimate this, and you can find that their cases are not as bad as others. But because candida grows like a fungus and grows a plant-like structure, the elimination of it, when, when it's even not that intense, still is very time-consuming because of the nature of the plant-like structure that it grows. Essentially, how a candida cell works is that the candida cell has a form that we call the budding form. The budding form of candida is just like a bud on a tree or any other type of bud in that sense. In the budding form of candida, the candida develops an intellectual part of its, its, its structure that we like to call mother cells. Mother cells are more of the budding cells in candida language. The mother cells genetically impart data to the next generation of cells that are forming, which have been referred to as daughter cells. And essentially, what the most common data that the candida mother cells give to the candida daughter cells is about the medications that the mother cells are being exposed to. This is why candida is so dangerous, and this is why the Biamonte Center program is so indispensable and has saved so many lives. You cannot underestimate 
how tricky and deceiving Candida can be. Over the years, Candida has evolved from uh, being able to eat simple sugars and carbohydrates now to being able to utilize sugar alcohols as sources of fuel for their bodies. Sugar alcohols were initially thought of as being diet foods for people, but these sugar alcohols have been adapted to by the candida, and the candida, when it eats these sugar alcohols, will re receive nutrition and grow from them. Where decades ago, candida could not necessarily receive any nutrient value from the sugar alcohol. The same thing is true of some of the natural sweetening alternatives. Stevia, at one time, had no effect on candida. Candida really didn't know what to do with it. Now we've noticed that if patients take too much stevia, their candida will flare up. So candida over the years has definitely evolved. And it's evolved to the point where it can now pick up different forms of food and utilize these foods where in the past it was unable to. Something happened to come up today in our practice, which I want to mention, because it uh, definitely bears some importance. Candida looks to eat and consume carbohydrates and sugars and alcohols. This is why the candida diet being a low-carbohydrate diet makes so much sense. However, when someone goes into ketosis, which is the extreme of the candida diet, this is where they've lowered their carbs very low to a point that could be argued to be unhealthy. And the person that, that's, that one usually is blamed for here is Dr. Robert Atkins, who wrote the book on the Atkins diet and the diet putting you in the state of ketosis. Well, in the state of ketosis, you're consuming so few carbs that your body is producing ketone bodies as a source of fuel. These ketone bodies are coming from fat cells and fat, and essentially the ketone bodies are a form of alcohol. So when one goes into ketosis, the candida can easily feed the, into these ketone bodies and survive just like you were giving it alcohols. Only the body is making these ketones or these alcohols from your fat cells, which are being stored. When you go into ketosis, ketone bodies are released as part of the liberation of fat cells. So we do not condone a low-carbohydrate diet to the point where you get into ketosis. Being in ketosis while you're trying to kill candida, we have discovered, is actually not good. It actually makes things more difficult. So keep in mind that on the candida diet, one does not have to be in ketosis. This is something that you're checked for every month when you do your home urine test. And luckily for us that people do occasionally cheat on the candida diet because the occasional cheating that people do that makes them sometimes feel like they're not successful at this diet actually is preventing them from going into ketosis and making their condition worse by feeding the candida ketone bodies. So to summarize that section again, we have observed, and this observation has been correlated with other practices and doctors, that when one goes on a very low carbohydrate diet, generally below 25 carbs a day, 25 grams of carbs, you will develop a condition called ketosis, which is a fat burning state, 
where your, your body starts to liberate fat cells. This is bad for the candida, and it's actually like feeding the candida sugar or alcohol. So the extreme of the low-sugar, low-carb low diet is bad for candida, as the extreme opposite of the candida diet would be, high in sugar and whatnot. One must find and strike an equal balance in your, in your diet to make sure your carbs are low, to starve the candida, but make sure your carbs are not so low that you will produce ketone bodies and then feed the candida that way. Again, luckily on the Biamonte home urine test that we do every month, we look to see if you're in ketosis, and this is one of the reasons why. Well, I hope you have found this informative today. I certainly have, and I think that this uh, serves as a very good review for a lot of us on some of the signs symptoms of candida, and also on the different mechanics that we have with candida. So tune in again next Friday. The subject of next Friday's podcast will be announced later next week. And remember to keep an eye out for the book, The Candida Chronicles. It's going to be the first book of a five-series set of books on Candida written by yours truly, Michael Biamonte, CCN. And we will have the book available on the Health-Truth website. It will also be uh, distributed and published by Amazon.com. So everyone, have a great weekend, and I wish you well. That's a wrap for this episode of the Candida Chronicles featuring Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. Michael holds a Doctorate of Nutropathy and is a New York State Certified Clinical Nutritionist. He is a professional member of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and of the American College of Nutrition, and he's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board for the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with a Candida Chronicles with a Candida Chronicles.